0: Tappers, what's up? How we doing? It is the Monday edition of the Daily Tap. It was a good weekend in the state of Wisconsin when it came to weather, when it came to the Bucks, when it came to the Brewers. But it did not have a good weekend when it came to Aaron Rodgers. And we're going to talk about all of that today. It's going to be a good show. It's going to be a, probably a long Daily Tap, but we're going to start with Aaron Rodgers and most, more specifically Mark Murphy, kind of where we are right now. Where is the timeline? Where are we at? We're then going to talk about how the Bucs continue to make believers out of people with their big win against the Brooklyn Nets this weekend. We're also going to talk about the Milwaukee Brewers doing some believe in two with their ragtag roster, and then some NFL draft notes from the Packers draft that they, ha- they had on Saturday and on Friday. If you didn't know, the Packers did draft some guys throughout the weekend, and it wasn't just all about Aaron Rodgers. So which would be a shock because whenever there was like a dull period in the NFL draft coverage, you'd be like, hey, let's uh, talk about Aaron Rodgers again, huh? Let's get this going. And I had originally, so if you listen to the Friday show when not a ton of information was out, we were just kind of going by the seat of our pants. And I said, look, I think Rodgers leaked it. Um, now it turns out it was San Francisco. I wrote something for Stone Tap WI that I think San Francisco is now our biggest rival because of this. And I go into detail explaining why I think they are rivals and they are our biggest rivals and fuck San Francisco forever. I Like, I think this is unforgivable shit. Like, they've basically thrown a wrench in our offseason and they've made this terrible. But you know who started it? You know who is at the most fault right now? If we're really going to play the blame game, shout out to Kanye West, get it in the background. If we had some, we weren't going to get our podcast taken down, I'd be playing some. But it's Mark Murphy. And it starts at the top. It always starts at the top. When big shit like this comes down, it always is the leader who has to take the blame and has to be held accountable. And Mark Murphy right now is made this mess. And he has to clean it up and now he has to figure it out he has to figure out how to get out of this mess because mark murphy started this whole process mark murphy created the power structure mark murphy got rid of mike mccarthy whether it was for aaron Rodgers or not but agreed that a change was needed he shook up the front office by getting rid of ted thompson and then mike mccarthy and created this sort of power structure, this triangle of sorts where Russ Ball was still involved a little bit and it just did not work. So the, the lack of communication that was through everyone, the fact that nobody w- thought to say, hey, maybe we should tell Rodgers that we're drafting a quarterback, that we're going to take Jordan Love. And if Jordan Love's there, we don't know what we're going to do in the first round, but we're going to take Jordan Love. And I think it comes down to people just don't like having difficult conversations sometimes, right? I know the Packers thought that would have been a difficult conversation to have with Aaron Rodgers. No question about it. To tell Aaron Rodgers, like, hey, look, we're taking a quarterback in the first round. And part of that was what we talked about on Friday where... We had a couple years where we we're like, are we sure Aaron Rodgers still has it? Now he became a fire-breathing dragon again because he had a chip on his shoulder. I've, I since contended yet on Friday and I don't mean to repeat myself, but if Aaron Rodgers doesn't have that anymore, is he going to lose that edge or is that edge always going to be there? But they have to make amends with Rodgers. They have to admit that they fucked up. That they, all they they did wrong was they should have had a conversation. They should have said, hey, look, we're going to take a quarterback maybe in the first round. Don't freak out. It's nothing against you. We just want to have protection. We just want to start the next version of yourself. You can mentor him. You don't have to. We're not asking you for that. But we want our, we want a guy for the next 20 years. And then you and him are shooting the shit later on in life. That should have been the conversation. But again, they didn't want to have it not Mark Murphy, not Brian Gunikus. From all accounts, Brian Gunikus is not a people person. And so Brian Gunikus really didn't probably know how to talk to Aaron Rodgers about it. And from all intents and purposes, it seemed like Brian Gunikus wanted his own version of Aaron Rodgers. He is such a Ted guy. He is enamored with Ted Thompson. He speaks very highly of Ted Thompson. Kevin Clark mentioned on a Ryan Russillo podcast that He interviewed Brian Gunacuz last fall and and Gunacuz mentioned Thompson, I think he said five or six times. And I think he wanted so bad to be Ted, right? He wanted to be Ted Thompson because Ted Thompson drafted a quarterback when it wasn't really expected. And then he groomed him to be the next great quarterback for the Green Bay Packers after Brett Favre and made the hard decision to not go back to Favre. But if you remember Favre was on his last legs. Favre kept talking about wanting to retire. Aaron Rodgers has made no notion of retiring. He's thrown out like 40. He, I think he, I don't know if he mentioned 45 like Brady, but I think 40 he said, which is three more years. So if it's like 39, like, yeah, there could be that scenario. And it because not being a people person as someone who is a people person, but I, I have some anxiety issues I've talked about on the show. Like even my my people person is, I don't really like rejection. I don't really like, I have a big fear of it. It's a whole thing. We don't need to get into it. We're not having a therapy session for me. But I can see why Brian Gunacuz didn't want to talk to Aaron Rodgers about that. Why he didn't want to have that real honest conversation because he knew it would be met with vitriol. He knew Rodgers would fly off the handle. The relationship between those guys really wasn't that good to begin with. And so then you add in another layer of it and rogers would lose his shit and it's almost like they needed sort of a middleman and that's the other thing they don't have they don't have like a rogers guy in the front office and i don't know if elliot wolf was that guy who i'll I'll mention a couple times in different things that i'm talking about but you know that should have happened and mark murphy where we started he never executed that plan he never told somebody hey you gotta talk to Rodgers that we're gonna maybe draft a quarterback. Just let him know. Like, don't. hopefully he won't freak out. Hopefully he'll be cool with it. Hopefully he'll understand it and know that we just think Jordan Love has a lot of talent. He needs some time to develop. It'll probably be in the window that Rodgers is thinking about. So don't worry about it. And, and just relax and it'll take it easy. And we'll make sure that we're building with guys around him. But nobody talked to Aaron Rodgers. And then you see the news this year, just juxtaposed last year, Andy Dalton was informed the Bears were gonna draft, draft a quarterback and saw it like an Alex Smith, pass Mahomes situation. Tom Brady was told multiple times that the Buccaneers were taking a quarterback in the second round. So the fact of the matter is, is like you pair that with what happened with Rodgers and it's like, these teams are like, we're not going to fuck this up. And we're in a player empowerment era in all of sports, where the player is always right. Now, have I thought Rodgers has been a little petulant about some of this stuff? Maybe, but at the same time, how do you not just at least just reach out? And if it doesn't go well, well, all right, now you have a decision. Do you wanna piss off your star quarterback and draft one anyways? Or do you wanna find out what's the root of his anger and try to get there? But Mark Murphy did not take that initiative. He just assumed that Rodgers would go along with it and be a good soldier. And let's face it, Aaron Rodgers is not a typical Packer. Aaron Rodgers is not a typical NFL player. Aaron Rodgers is in a stratosphere like Brady, like Russell Wilson, if you will. I mean, maybe even higher than Russell Wilson. He's been, he's been there longer. He's done more things. So Aaron Rodgers deserved that respect. And while I'm a Packer guy, and I I always will back the Pack, I I can't help but look at this and say, Mark Murphy is the reason that a lot of this happened because he hired Brian Gunakus, not a people person. He created a power structure where it was like this triangle of decision-making with him, Matt LaFleur, and BG. And again, still didn't really happen. Now, also, too, if you're going to create this weird power structure, why not have a guy that's more of a people person along with Gutekust? Did Gutekust say, no, it's just going to be me? I can't really have another guy on my side? Maybe. I don't know. He hired Milt Hendrickson, who's uh, for the Ra- who used to work for the Ravens. But again, he's another scout guy. And look, the Packers have done a magnificent job building this roster. They were a uh, David Bakhtiari injury away from being a Super Bowl team last year. That's, I mean, it's crazy, right? I mean, imagine if they won the fucking Super Bowl and all this is going on. What, what would we do then? What would it? What would even happen? I don't know. But the fact of the matter is, is they've done a great job. Brian Gutekunst has done a great job with this team, but it doesn't mean shit because you have no relationship with the star player. So where is the next step? Now, Charles Robinson of yahoo.com said, Rogers wants Brian Gunacous fired. I don't think they, A, should do that, and I, B, don't expect Brian Gunacous to step down. I just don't. I don't think that's going to happen. I think, if anything, Brian Gunacous is going to say, how can I make this better with you? I know I'm not, admit to, admit to Rogers, I'm not good with this stuff. This is not one of my skills. I'm working on it. I'm trying to become more communicative with people. But like, how can you and I work better together? What do I need to do? Is there something that needs to happen for you to start knowing that we love you and we want you to be a Packer for a long, long time? Should Mark Murphy step down? You know, it is this something where the board for the Green Bay Packers looks at all the stuff Mark Murphy's done to build Titletown and desperately trying to get an NFL draft to Green Bay and has really created an experience for Packer fans, not only during the season, but in the off season, any time of the year really, and say, that's great, but you have no idea what's going on from a personnel standpoint. And you really have not done a good job And the transition from Bob Harlan to you has not been a pretty one. You went through this with Favre. How the fuck did you not learn your lesson? How? Like, how is that not learned? And so I I have to wonder if some of the board of directors is going to look at this and say, are we sure Mark Murphy is our guy moving forward? And what if Matt LaFleur says, I'm out too. It's it's Aaron Rodgers or it's, it's, I'm with Aaron Rodgers. It's either him and me or it's neither of us. And I'm out, too. What if he stages a mutiny? Matt LaFleur told Larry McCarran yesterday it was pretty disappointing that all this came out. And that he didn't really want this out, obviously. And from what I know, it seems like he's on Roger's side. Why wouldn't he be? A, they have a good relationship. Shout out to that storyline. But B, they're, they were like a few plays away from the fucking Super Bowl of course he's going to be on his quarterback side. And I don't think Mike McCarthy was on Brett Favre's side in 2008. So for those who say it's Favre part two, and I know I said it, I was guilty of it. It was probably too easy. It was a layup. It's not Favre part two because Mike McCarthy was on Ted Thompson's side. Mike McCarthy had had enough of Brett Favre's shit. Brett Favre did not want to listen to Mike McCarthy. Jeff Perlman's gunslinger book outlines it a lot about how Mike McCarthy and and Favre were at odds all the time. Mike McCarthy wanted Far out too. So this is not the same. Matt Lafleur loves Aaron Rodgers, and I think the feelings mutual. So, what are you going to do now? You you have a coach who's going to be pissed off if he has to work with Jordan Love. He'll figure it out, but he wants to have Aaron Rodgers on his roster. So, would he come back for Matt Lafleur? a la a last dance situation like a phil jackson i'm not putting him at that gravitas like that's not it's not what matt lafleur is right now he's not fucking phil jackson but if you remember if you remember the last dance where we were all trapped in the pandemic last year around this time jordan did it for phil and one last ride and rogers knows that next year is he's easily tradable with his contract and says all right one more and then we're done and then i don't want to i'll come back i'll figure it out but we're done for a while i don't know maybe that's on a table maybe it is and they're just like all right we have the understanding that we're gonna let you go and this is gonna be one last fucking ride for it and then it's jordan love time who knows that i i think it is on the table and again what else could ha- happen? You could trade Jordan Love. But you probably have to tell Rodgers like, "Hey, look, man. Jordan Love needs actual game reps for us to have va- for him to have value. If Jordan Love doesn't play, we probably can't trade him until maybe the middle of this season or next season. So you're going to have to chill. And you're going to have to understand that. You don't have to be friends with him, but you can at least understand that we want to move Jordan love for you and you can let us know when you want to retire. Is it a bad precedent? Yeah it's not great. But is that the era we live in? Yeah kinda. Remember uh the or stuff we talked about last what was that Friday? Was that that was they didn't do that Friday because that was Rogers was it I forget what what Bud day we talked I talked about Bud maybe two weeks ago. Whatever. It doesn't matter. But basically, what it comes down what I said with Budenholzer was, it's going to come down to Giannis saying, hey, I don't want Mike Budenholzer to be my coach. And in the NBA, they dictate all this stuff. Look at LeBron James. He's done it for years with coaches, with different players, all this shit. Why can't Aaron Rodgers do that too? And I don't think it's a precedent. I just think that's where we are in today's NFL and we are in today's sport. It's just player dominated. And then lastly, the other thing that I I could see is Brian Gunacruz just taking a new role in the club and saying, all right, I'm going to be a front office, but I'm going to be the president, or I'm going to be like chief of operations, or I'm not going to be the GM because there's just a disconnect there. And you bring in a guy like an Elliott Wolf or similar to him or John Dorsey, now I think the bridges have been burned with John Dorsey, and I'm not, and John Dorsey is such a weird, like, here's the thing about Dorsey, he's he's a good GM, okay, like, he's a good GM in terms of talent development, but the guy burns ships, he burns through a roster like nobody's fucking business, and I, I just, man, I can't, hey, I don't know if I can get down with that. It would be a total shift from what the Packers have done. And it would be really fascinating to see if that bridge is burnt. Because there was a lot of vitriol with Dorsey about not getting a a call from the Packers. And the Packers not really thinking of Dorsey, I think, when Gunacous got hired, if I'm not mistaken. Um, It was definitely not a, a good look. And Dorsey's now with the Lions, But I I think he could, you know, obviously if he had GM job opened up, I think the Lions have to let him interview for it. We'll see. This is not done. Um, I hope we're going to not talk about it every day. Um, Be like Roger's watch day 37. But I mean, it's it's porn for every local radio show host for the next month and a half. Like these guys have it so easy. They're going to be able to talk about this forever. And congrats to them. And we'll see we'll see what happens. We'll see what new news comes out. I think at some point it'll quiet down because there just won't be any new topics. I think we're almost there. But it's it's gonna be fascinating to see how this all plays out because A, it's far from over, but B, we just need to we need to move forward. And I think it starts with Mark Murphy cleaning up the mess. And same with Brian Gunacoust really. All right, let's move on. Let's get a little happy and let's not let's not be so serious. The Milwaukee Bucks had a great win on Sunday afternoon, so I had to work on Sunday afternoon, which was bummer. Not only was it really nice outside, but the Bucks were playing. The Brewers were, but the Brewers were out of it so fucking quick. It was like the uh, Simpsons gif where you head to the bar, you walk right out of the bar. Like I had the game on when I was doing some laundry, and I heard the whole, the grand slam by Pollock, and I was like, all right, I'm out. <laughs> I'm like all right this is good I'm 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 all right and for the Bru- for the bucks excuse me I, yeah I would have loved to pound beers this this afternoon out in the hot sun and just watch this team beat the Brooklyn Nets in a great victory. Uh the bucks started slow and they just came on like a phoenix in the second quarter and in the third were, were pretty good And then a really solid finish to this one. We've talked about the Bucks fourth quarter problems and they weren't really there in this one. The Bucks really didn't struggle in the fourth. They got up to a seven point lead at one point. Didn't exactly put away Brooklyn. Brooklyn still had some opportunities to win at the end, but at the same time, they're a good team. They're they're not gonna die. They're not just gonna give up. They're not gonna wave the white flag. And if Kyrie Irving didn't want to make it about himself, which he clearly did, I think the Bucs would have been in bigger trouble down the stretch. But Kyrie, man, he gets into that mode where he has to be the hero. And it was not his day. I mean, he was 7-20 from the field. Kevin Durant had 42 points. But the real problem for Brooklyn is who the fuck's going to stop Giannis Antetokounmpo? He scored 35 of 49 points on DeAndre Jordan. 35. He absolutely abused DeAndre Jordan. And Blake Griffin has never had an answer for Giannis. If you put Kevin Durant on him, he's just going to bully Durant. Everyone kept giving Giannis shit that he wasn't guarding Durant and no one care, seems to care that Katie didn't pick up Giannis. Because KD doesn't want that smoke. And Brooklyn, I said this when they first got everybody and got rid of Jared Allen, and I said, look, there is no one on this team to guard Giannis. And Giannis, if if he gets a little production from everybody else, they're going to be fine. And they showed it tonight. And I was so impressed with the Bucs. And 49 points, eight rebounds, couple assists, like just a massive game for Giannis. And I really think a statement game for the Bucs. And I think one where... The Clippers win in on that Sunday where they came back and they closed it out. I think was one of the bigger wins of the year. I think this is the biggest win of the year. It's crazy they're playing again on Tuesday. Uh, talk about like an absolute brawl. They just, I mean, it was a playoff game. It was awesome, and they're going to get to do it again on Tuesday. And I'm sure rest everybody on on Wednesday when they play the Wizards because I'm sure the exhaustion levels will be at an all-time high. Other notes, uh, Chris Middleton had a great game, man. Chris Middleton, it felt like every time you you weren't watching, like you were on your phone or you were grabbing something, you just heard Chris Middleton scoring a basket. Like Chris Middleton, 20, 26, 11, and six. He had some big shots at the end. Think about that stat line when you're guarding Kevin Durant. I mean, that's, that's awesome shit for mids. And he is really, really special. And I know that Chris Middleton can play in these moments. I know some people think that he's not a clutch guy. I think that narrative is garbage. He's shown it. I mean, his clutch stats prove it out that Chris is the guy you want. And he can hit some big shots down the stretch. Um, we also need to see Bryn Forbes starting for Dante DiVincenzo. I have no idea what Mike Budenholzer's waiting for. I know that the only, the only difference was about a five-minute differential in terms of minutes, and Bryn played more down down the stretch. Well, actually, Dante played down the stretch. Dante got matched up with Kevin, Kevin Durant late in this game. You need Bryn Forbes. Maybe not out there in the final minutes because Bryn doesn't really play that great a defense, but you need more Bryn Forbes. Bryn Forbes should be starting. I realize that he can be a little bit of a microwave. You gotta check if he's on, if he's not on, maybe limit his minutes. But look, you you got a great effort from him. You didn't have Bobby Portis, who was sick today. He was out out with an illness, and they still got some production off that bench. Um, PJ Tucker only, I think only had three points, but he was everywhere, man. There's the reason that PJ Tucker exists, right? He just he guards You know, Kyrie he guards KD, and he's just out there being a bowling ball and being PJ Tucker, and I love him for it. (laughs) Um, There will be people who say, "Well, you know, James Harden didn't play, and what is this going to look like with Harden?" The you know, I get it, right? Like I totally understand people's perspective on that. But let me also add that: Are we sure James Harden's going to be fully healthy for the playoffs? He has a hamstring injury. He had a setback with the hamstring injury. It doesn't sound like he's coming back for the regular season, maybe the last couple games. But James Harden's like dealing with a first real major injury. The guy's durable as fuck. He's played a lot of minutes in Houston. I mean, he logged minutes. And I'm not saying that it's his body breaking down on him or anything like that. But are we really going to get 100% James Harden at the start of the playoffs? I don't know. Now, these teams might not meet the Eastern Conference Finals, so maybe by then Harden's picking it up. But let's also not for, forget, I, and I, I think this kind of gets lost in the shuffle because people love to criticize him, Mike Budenholzer does a great job on James Harden and Kyrie Irvin. They, he has absolutely befuddled Irvin throughout the years. He's also done the same thing for Harden. I don't know if he can do it for both, but if he's screwing with both those guys and basically saying, "All right, Kevin, you got it. Kevin Durant has to beat us," or one of the role players, Joe Harris, or TLC, or Jeff Green, Jeff Green, I swear, oh, Jeff, if you're like, who would be the Serge Ibaka of this of of a Brooklyn Milwaukee series? It'd be Jeff Green, or a Fred Van Vliet, I guess, would be the better example. Bruce Bruce Brown will be the Van fleet for sure, but like I can't get away from my pain. Jay Crowder also would be another comparison we could use, but anyways, I just don't know if Harden's gonna make that much of a difference. I'm sure he will, right? Because he's fucking James Harden. But at the same time, like back the Bucks, I always said that Bucks have done a really good job with James Harden throughout the years, and I think that that's kind of an underrated thing about this Brooklyn-Milwaukee series. And so now the Bucks go for the tiebreaker on thir- Tuesday. They have a lot of motivation. It's a rubber match. It's gonna be a lot of fun in the BC. Oh, that's, I wanna mention that, SPC, Fiserv. Fiserv was actually loud today. This was the first time in COVID that we actually had a loud Fiserv forum. The forum has been kind of quiet in games. Like it feels like a lot of people are sitting on their hands. I don't know if they they know they can't cheer, but it was loud. And I don't know if maybe it's because the Brewers are in action and you're starting to see fans there go nuts. Like, I was there on Thursday and Colton Wong made that double play and it was fucking on fire. Or I watched back the highlight of Travis Shaw. I was at a bar watching that game and the crowd was fucking loud as shit. And so maybe they've they've taken a page from the Brewers and they're like, all right, yeah, we can cheer too. Just because we got a mask on doesn't mean we can't cheer. And so there was a real energy in the stadium that has not been there all year. And so that is a interesting development going forward and hopefully one that we see more of as we get closer to playoffs. And there also is no reason why Milwaukee shouldn't expand their playoff seating. And I know that comes down to Mayor Barrett, but... We have to like progress forward and Mayor Barrett's just fucking stuck in the mud, which is not a surprise to anyone who's followed Milwaukee politics throughout the years. Other the only other bucks note I had in negative area can't be six to twelve from the free throw line. Drew Holiday, can I like I I love Drew Holiday and I feel like I criticize him more than I should, but does he miss a lot of late free throws? Or is that just me? Like I, would have to actually look it up. I probably should, but I don't feel like Drew Holiday has a good fourth quarter free throw percentage. Maybe that's just a little nuanced thing. But happy to get a win. Happy. I would not have watched that game. So uh, real quick, I, I like I said, I had to work, so I DVR'd it. And for whatever reason, YouTube TV, the, I can't. I couldn't fast forward anything. So it was like my personal hell. It wasn't that I was going to fast forward through. The, I might have fast started through the first quarter I'll admit you I have a big thing and we can talk about this some other time but I have a big thing about how NBA first quarters are the most meaningless thing in in life really in terms of sports like I just I don't think they matter. Um, they just have usually no impact on the game like Brooklyn was up 11 points at the end of the first quarter and they they were never close to that the rest of the rest of the game but so I would have probably maybe done that. But I couldn't even go through commercials. So it was like fucking hell or halftime show. It was bad, man. But I survived. Uh, but that YouTube TV, we got to clean it up. I usually watch the replays on Valley and they are before that Fox Sports. And they did a, they do a pretty good job where you can kind of move your way through it. But man, that was a fucking nightmare. Such is life though. You move on, right? So Bucks Nets, Tuesday night at the Forum, 6.30 tip, TNT, Um, So that'll be be a fun one. That will definitely be a a good one and we'll be interested to see what Brooklyn brings to the table. Brewers also have people believing in them with their weekend against the Dodgers. So we go into the Dodger series, Corbin Burns goes on the IL. I think someone else did too. And it's like, God damn, we have like no players. And we just have this ragtag lineup for the last like week. And what do they do? They win three out of four against the Los Angeles Dodgers. Now they got shit pumped today. Whatever, doesn't matter. It Was a guy who probably wasn't big league ready and got absolutely blasted. Jordan Zimmerman gave up five runs. Bettinger gave up eleven. Um, look, they they just they needed a they kind of just needed a stopgap because right now they don't have five pitchers. Corbin Burns probably has COVID. He went on the DL for some mysterious reason. Uh, I know that they were trying to get a lot of people vaccinated, so it's curious if he did get COVID, if he was part of the vaccine crew or not. Um, but regardless, you lost Corbin Burns. You're out you have 16 guys on the IL right now. Christian Jalic looks like he's close to coming back. I'd be surprised maybe maybe Monday, maybe Tuesday. He seems like he's well on his way back. We don't know about Lorenzo Kane. Uh, Omar Navias's injury was a bummer, but Jacob Nottingham gets DFA'd, he gets acquired by the Mar- Mariners and the Brewers acquire him back. He hits two home runs today. Um I, look, I like Jacob Nottingham. I don't know what the Brewers didn't see in him. I think they thought they had too many catchers with Manny Peña, but like can Jacob Nottingham play first base? Like Jacob Nottingham has real fucking power. Like I don't know if he's a guy who can be a productive like get you a single or a double every now and again but he can run into one and like he has a good like good body like why can't he play first base over like a daniel daniel vogelbach who i'm kind of out on i'm sorry double cheese just it's you're too boom and bust for me but anyways I, this was an amazing weekend freddie peralta shoved on friday and uh, he was so good. He almost had a no-hitter. I was about to text my friends, like, hey, Freddie, like, because the draft was going on, and I was like, hey, Freddie's like, has a no-no, and A.J. Pollock took him deep, and but that was his only blemish, and then the Brewers got it done with Devin Williams and Josh Hader. Hader, I mean, Hader was on fire. Hader was great in the eighth, eight, or great on Friday, then great on Saturday, in that back and that back-and-forth wild-ass game for the Brewers where they tied it up multiple times, then in the 11th travis shaw again another mate big hit for him he's proved to proven to be the most clutch guy on the brewers roster right now he's the guy you have up avi garcia too though i mean he's been kind of struggling and just hits one in the hole and it's just enough so brewers are going to keep grinding and keep trying to figure this out they're 17 and 11 that's pretty damn good and they go to Philly, and then they play Miami again. Miami's annoying, um, and it's a shit ballpark to watch baseball in, and I think it's a shit one to play in as well. But yeah, four against Philly, th- three against Miami. The the thought is the same, you know. Just go four and three. You probably yeah, that's fine. You keep doing four and three. I'm I'm okay with it. And you're you'll build some games on the other ones. Cardinals are kind of hot. They're only two back right now. The Brewers. It, but this team, man, you, it's mo- it's almost more fun that this has just been a ragtag bunch and you're just winning and they're not supposed to and they don't know any better. But when you get everybody back, like how good is this fucking team going to be? This team has a real shot to be special. And I hope we all realize that. I think a lot of us are watching baseball, probably more, because we've remembered how much we fucking missed haven't being able to just turn on a game on a f- – random saturday afternoon crushing beers with your friends and like so i think more of us are watching but if you're not get into the brewers watch a little brew career this week do that for your boy all right let's wrap up with the nfl draft uh just a few notes from it so we didn't tape obviously saturday or or sunday and i kind of nailed some draft picks guys so, if you listen to the Building Murph's Draft Manifesto, the full versions, we taped it. We, I added that about a week ago now. Uh, no, two weeks ago now. Um, so, you can listen to that. What you'll hear in there is well, we talked up Amari Rogers. We talked up Josh Myers. We talked up Cole Van Lanen. Uh, Murph made the passionate, the passionate point of why you want to draft like wisconsin why wouldn't you always draft a wisconsin lineman it's a factory those guys always seem to be good why are we always missing out on those dudes and they didn't and they got him and if you um we have our milwaukee draft coming out tomorrow uh with murph mitch and i and you'll hear at some point there's like a snap and it's murph dude, like fist him and i fist pumping because of van Lannon, because he nailed it like he's been all over that pick it's a great one and the Packers loaded up on their offensive line I'm kind of surprised by it but maybe they just did not feel like the depth at offensive line was good enough when the chips were down remember they had a lot of injuries and especially later in the year and I don't think they felt like they were prepared and they needed to shore that up and they they wanted to make sure that what happened against Tampa Bay doesn't happen again and they added more depth to the secondary. I told you guys they'd get another draft pick. Shamar Jean Charles, some great numbers. He also seems like an immediate special teams contributor for the Packers, which is always needed, which is always a good thing. And you add more depth to that roster, that sort of room. I don't understand not getting a linebacker. Um, I, I know they did, Isaiah McDuffie, but I, I'm not going to bank that he's going to be something special. And it seemed... If you read through sort of the tea leaves, that Goody wanted to draft a linebacker, but didn't. He's like, the board didn't fall to us. So very similar to the wide receiver last year, where they didn't necessarily have that linebacker available. And whether JOK, Jeremiah, Orak, Kasuma, I butchered that, that was really bad. It's late, in my defense, I'm taping this very late. But JOK, we'll just say, he could have easily moved up for JOK if we but i guess the the basically the either or on that is if you moved up for jok you probably don't get amari rogers and who knows what you have from a receiver standpoint because i think the Packers amari rogers i think was their last guy i think when dynamic brown went off the board they were like all right we got to get our guy rogers and he is very similar to randall cobb the comparisons are there he got mentored by cobb t martin was randall cobb's College coach like that. There's a such weird parallels there, in a good way, not like in a weird way, but weird, weird and like I, I don't know. It's might be the wrong word choice, but it's definitely one of those things where it's it's cool. It just shows you, and maybe gives them an in with Aaron if Aaron you know decides to come back and everything like that, which I think he will. I think there will be a good sort of relationship early, and that doesn't usually happen with Aaron Rodgers and rookies. That's it's pretty rare. So I, I think with the Randall Cobb endorsement, I think that helps. I think that that will only help uh, Amari Rogers. As for other guys on day, on day three, I love Keelan Hill um, from Mississippi State. He's a good running back. That guy has skill. He is easily going to be the third running back. I will guarantee it. I like Mike Weber a little bit. Dexter Williams, you're gone. Uh, Keelan Hill is going to be a dude for the Packers next year. Don't sleep on Keelan Hill having a few moments. I'm, I'm in on that. I also like Royce Newman. I, I know it's a lineman, but again, a versatile guy who can play all over. That's good. And one of the, I forget if it was a scouting director or whatever, said he could play in day one. And look, they got David Bakhtiari in the fourth round. I'm not saying Royce Newman's going to beat David Bakhtiari. But that 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 those are guys that can play right away and then you need that so they are loaded at the line at the lineman position they also i thought christian uphoff the safety they got undrafted very savvy move could maybe be a raven green replacement who knows um that that i really liked um i always like d lineman from iowa and michigan you know I got those those taken care of in the undrafted world you know we don't know if those guys those guys are just lottery picks but we'll we'll see see what happens they're lottery tickets not really lottery picks but yes the draft is over i'm not gonna worry about draft grades I've, i think last year i did a fuck your draft grade um podcast i get why it's done. I know that it's, it's a cottage industry. You got to make your money. You got to get your clicks. You got to get your lessons, but no one fucking knows. You can say, all right, they had a good draft, but if, if anybody's like, well, Packers didn't draft a receiver in the first round there, that's a useless grade. You should not even pay attention to that because people just don't know shit, but whatever, whatever you're going to do. So I uh, vikings fan give the give the packers an f and you know this guy wants credibility and it's like dude you're a vikings fan like come on just admit it okay need too many of those in the media but what are you gonna do what are you gonna do that's why you're the best you get a lot of hate all right that does it for us uh, we'll be back tomorrow with the milwaukee draft 4-1-4 tapping the keg very excited for that it's pretty good i think you guys will enjoy it um, so that will be tomorrow's show. I don't know if Mitch and I are doing a tap in the keg. If we were, it would be Thursday, because Wednesday we got the Bucks, we got Brooklyn Bucks, so we would do Wednesday daily tap, and then Thursday we could do a tap in the keg. But I don't know if Mitch is going to be. Mitchell want to go, but he is. He, he has been. He's been fired up, and so maybe we will do a deep dive of both the both Brooklyn, Milwaukee games. Who knows? We'll see. All right, guys, take care of yourself. Have a great Monday back tomorrow. See you, bye.